Hey, Brian, do you have those numbers for the... Uh, procrastination? Yeah, the procrastination. I forgot them at home. We need to make sure that we get that taken I'll care get that of next week. Of. We'll put it on Facebook. While we're here, while we're here, let's get some ads taken care of. All right? Mm-hmm. I want to talk about my good, good friend, Nat Anderson. Mm-hmm. Ever since he's been in my life, this is going to sound weird to you, but I've been comfortable. I've not been hot and I've not been cold. I've been just right. Thanks to Nat Anderson and Anderson Heat and Air. That guy is going to take care of you. Do you, do you have you had any encounters with him? Of course you have. He's the best one in Arkansas. So I want you guys to stop messing around and give that man a phone call. It's at 870-935-1155. Anderson Heat and Air. Just give him a call today. Stop procrastinating like we are with these procrastination numbers. We're going to get you stats on procrastination numbers. Don't Gallup. be a part of those stats. Gallup, it's a trusted place. Yeah. The thing is about Nat Anderson, whenever you read the story of, of Little Red Riding Hood, whenever she goes in, she samples all the porridge. There's the one that's too hot. There's the one that's too cold. There's the one that's just right. The reason why the one that was just right is because it was cooked in a home heated and air conditioned <laughs> by Nat Anderson. That hot one was in a home that the people down the road did. that They don't even have their license to do nothing, and it was too hot, and it kept the porridge too hot. The one that was too cold was in a place they didn't even do nothing, and the heat doesn't work, and it's the middle of winter. But Ned Anderson is going to be just right. He's going to treat you just right. It's going to be perfect. In your home, you're going to live a comfortable, comfortable life with Ned Anderson. Who are you calling? Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'd like to place an order, please. He would be wanting food. Yeah, I would like a, uh, I think a 24 sounds good. Yeah. 24, he'll eat 24 of them, I promise you that. (laughs) I'm on the phone. Can you please be respectful? Yeah, uh, I would like uh, a Caesar salad with that. Absolutely. Yeah, extra croutons. Anybody shocked on that one either? Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I guess I do want that cheesecake. You do want the cheesecake. He wants all three slices. All right, I'll be there in just a minute. Now... I can talk to you about what I just ordered. I got a number 24 from Lazari's. That is a nice... Thick pasta. You forgot to tell them to with put bacon white on sauce. It. Nah, I ain't, I ain't a pig. With some white sauce, some grilled well, chicken, is. with with some mushrooms, and oh my gosh, I just wish they'd hurry up and get that done. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go by there and pick it up because we're under quarantine right now, aren't we, Brian? 20? I mean, I don't know. We're recording this two weeks ago. Yeah, I know. But we're gonna go to 2230 South Way. I tell you, I I just see things coming for some reason. Go to 2230 South Caraway Road in Jonesboro, and the number I just called was 870-931-4700. He probably ate 10 minutes ago, and he's hungry again. I promise you that. What do you keep making promises over my weight for? Because, man, you bust on me all the time on my hairline. <laughs> well, it is running away. I bet you're begging for a sponsor from, like, Bosley or something. Uh, I know your fat ain't running away. <laughs> Next. Oh, tell, tell our good friends, Brian, about List with Live Oak. No, you. I guess I will. Listwithliveoak.com. Dustin Thomas, licensed realtor here, in, realtor, realtor here in the state of Arkansas. Get you into the homes of your dreams. Selling that dump that you're living in. Hey, maybe you just need to rent while you're renovating. Maybe you're just trying to do something small like that. Give him a call. Let him help you out at 870-520-2522 or go to listwithliveoak.com. It's going to be an epic, epic experience. Why can't we talk? I don't know. I, I, I struggle in the word epic. It is so bad for two people trying to host a podcast that can't talk. It's Yeah. Man. There's a lot of people out there that do podcasts that can't hardly talk. 
<laughs> we ain't one of them. Have you listened to oh, this? And I'll tell you somebody else who's not one of them. Dr. April Jones in her book, No Mess, No Mess, is it. You can find it at thedrifteddrum.com with promo code. You oh, are. Oh, they already know. They, are, say it. they already know. Hey, just think about the name of the podcast. All you got to do remember, uh, Crucial. Let's see if you went home and did your homework. How do you spell Crucial? Anyway, put in promo code CRUCIAL, get 10% off your entire purchase, get a free companion journal. She's going to take care of you. Take care of those who take care of us. You guys like these podcasts? Start supporting those who support us. She supports us on a monthly basis to bring you what you're listening to right now. Go to thedrifteddrum.com, promo code CRUCIAL. <laughs> Turn your spell check on. It'll remind you. My Lord. I don't have to know how to spell it. My phone lets me know when I'm wrong. <laughs> Oh, man. Brian, we've got a rock star episode this week. We have a beautiful soul that we call family here at the Pentecostals of Jonesboro. She sat down with us and uh, told us the story of the, the, well, you want to just let them hear it? I think they should just hear it. Guys, this is a crucial conversation. Enjoy. But we had a frantic accident that day and uh, lost one of our children. And that is a brokenness that um, you can't explain. But God has a way of working out things. And uh, so I, I said, I'll do my best because I do, do want to help somebody that is struggling And I can remember that I would cry every night when I'd go to bed because I just knew, knew inside me something was going to happen to him. So when we had our accident, I said, God, somewhere, I missed the message somewhere. I don't understand why you didn't prepare me for this. Well, I struggled and struggled with that. You don't only, you know, a person, when they're grieving, uh, it don't just take, I mean, I think grief works in the same way for most people in any kind of grief, divorce, death of a child, a pet, but a child is so, the wound is so deep. This, the day that this happened, that if I didn't hang on to hope that day, that I wouldn't make it. Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Tonight on the Crucial Conversation, we welcome on somebody that is... um, Brian, she's a part of the church. She's a part of the family. And we're honored to have Sister Martha Andrews sit down with us on the Crucial Conversation podcast. It's been a long time begging her to get on the show. She always kept telling me no. I had to get my wife involved. And I I guess she has a hard time telling my wife no, but I'm thankful for that. But can I call you Martha? Mm -hmm. Or do you want uh, Martha? Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you're nervous. I know you, this isn't your forte, but. You're going to bless somebody with your story. Thank you so much for coming on. So let's get into it. You've been attending our church for a little while, but you've not been on this uh, or in this church for a, for, a, for a very long time. Tell us a little bit about your story. Who are you? Where do you come from? 
Well, I was uh, raised around here. Um, I'm a family of the, I had six siblings, and um, I have one that's passed away already, two of them passed away already, and my mom and dad. But uh, I was the youngest of seven, and uh, my mom was a God-fearing lady. She had a, she had a lot of faith in God. Um, if it hadn't been for her, I've told my siblings this. I said, if it hadn't have been for our mother loving God the way she does, did, we would have been strong from kingdom come, I call it. My dad was an alcoholic. Uh, so she worked. I always said she worked and raised eight kids, seven plus my dad, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she supplied the best I can remember because, like I said, I'm the youngest of seven. I do remember my dad working, but he didn't use his money for what he was supposed to, so my mother really supplied for the family. And uh, she worked at the hospital, and she had to work a lot of weekends, and when we finally moved into Jonesboro from the country, uh, I was um, in the first grade, if I remember correctly, and first grade only went a half a day then. So uh, it was, I only went like two blocks away to school from St. Menard's Hospital. So I'd, I was allowed to come back down there where my mother was and sit the other half a day down there in the hall. But uh, to make a long story short, she had to work a, long, a lot of weekends and she would try to find a way for somebody to pick us up and take us to church. That didn't always happen. But uh, some way or another, she instilled in us um, the love for the Lord. Now, mind you, I told my mother several years before she passed away, I said, I know you raised us all the same, but don't seem like it always stuck with some of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she got a pretty good chuckle out of that. But through the years of watching my mother struggle, I was determined that I was not, try not to do anything that would disappoint her. So I kinda, um, at a young age, in my childlike way, would talk to the Lord. Because we didn't go very many places, and my grandparents on my, on my dad's family lived about two or three hours away, down south. That's the only place we went. So uh, my mother, you know, worked hard, and a lot of times she would have trouble with her back. And I can remember going into the bathroom at school and just silently praying. I didn't even realize, maybe, I didn't even realize it was a prayer, really. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to the Lord about it, and I said, you know, touch my mama. I want to go see my grandparents. And at that early age... I started learning to trust in God because it seemed like every time it would work out where we could make that trip and mom would be able to go. So from that, I've always been trying
try to be sensitive to the Lord. And um, like I said, I was the youngest of all of us. So um, my mother, later on in years, I was in Dayton age, you know, of course I wasn't going to church then. But um, she started going to the church up on Matthews. It wasn't the old our tabernacle, I think that's what they called it years ago. It was already the, the new one built up the street there. But uh, one of my sisters married somebody that uh, attended that church, and so my mother started going there. And when I was a teenager, um, you know, my attitude was, well, I'm not going to that church. Everybody thinks they're better than I am. You know? <laughs> so I, I didn't go, and I, I didn't go for a long time, but I went to uh, another church when I did go. Okay, so when I got married, um, I, I got married at a young age. I wasn't hardly, my husband just turned 18, and I wouldn't have been 18 until December. Um, okay, so... Um, as I said, my husband and I got married, and I, I'm going to end up telling how old I am, probably. But we've been—we'll be married 51 years in May. No way. And um, you know, I—I I, I thought, well, I'd babysitted so many nieces and nephews, I wouldn't have any children. But I really did have a love for children, so we ended up having five children. You have five children. I have five children. I have uh, two boys and three girls. Um. Our last two children were, uh, we were blessed. They were late bloomers, and we were glad to have them in our family. Uh, our first three children we raised in church, and uh, God blessed our home. I think, I call it a blessing. Uh, when we, our last two come along. So we had dinner the other night. And whenever we had dinner, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, why we wanted to have you on. And one of our ladies' small groups or prayer groups, you shared your testimony. And from then on, I, I, I've had... A couple of different people suggest that we should have you on our podcast because of your testimony. You've went through something that uh, just a couple of nights ago, um, I was laying in bed and I was telling or talking to my wife saying, um, what, what you went through, um, no parent wants to go through. Um, in your life, you've dealt with some of the most unimaginable grief. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, when we was blessed with our last two children, uh, my husband had been working lots of hours that week and uh, had been for several weeks. And uh, we decided we'd go on an outing with them. I'm not going to go into all the gory details, but we had a frantic accident that day and uh, lost one of our children. And that is... A brokenness that um, you can't explain. Um, there's just there seems to be no rhyme or reason, and um, I guess 
you know, I felt coming on here because um, I don't know. I convinced myself over the years that um, I was a, you know, I was strong. I could um, paddle on, you know, and make it. But when y'all approached me, I knew that it was um, that it was a good thing. But I still didn't want to give in to it. And, uh, but God has a way of working out things. And uh, so I, I said, I'll do my best because I do, do want to help somebody that is struggling. It, you know, it's not just the, it, I, first I want to say this, grief is, you know, through losing my um, sister, that was a very difficult thing for me. And then later on in years, I'm going to say about a year before we had our accident, my mother said to me one day out of the blue, she said to me, Martha, I went through many struggles in my life. She said, I've lost my mom and dad, some of my sisters. But she said, nothing, nothing compares to losing a child. And I thought, hmm, man, I don't know why she's telling me this. You know, I, I thought about that later on. And it wasn't probably about within six months that our accident happened. And it didn't take me long to figure out that that God was using her to tell me that. Because I struggled after this accident happened. I struggled with uh, where I missed it. Somewhere or another, I did not, uh, I missed something somewhere along the line. Because, like I said, I, I tried to learn to be through the years, even though, uh, you know, I wasn't in church, per se, as a teenager like I was supposed to be, and I was always pretty sensitive and uh, compassionate with people. And uh, my brother, one uh, one of my brothers had to serve time in Vietnam, and I can remember that I would cry every night when I'd go to bed because I just knew, knew inside me something was going to happen to him. So when we had our accident, I said, God, somewhere, I missed the message somewhere. I don't understand why you didn't prepare me for this. Well, I struggled and struggled with that. You don't only, you know, a person, when they're grieving, uh, it don't just take, I mean, I think grief works in the same way for most people in any kind of grief. Divorce, death of a child, a pet. But a child is so, the wound is so deep. It's not supposed to happen that way. It's not supposed to happen that way. Uh, and, uh, but you know, this is what I told my husband and my children they were able to revive our little girl 
which was a miracle in itself. And uh, they airlifted her to Little Rock. And uh, I've always say, and I'll say to the day I die, that God knew we needed those last minutes with her, that last 24, 30 hours we had with her. Um, but uh, you know, at this time, and my husband has been in church, but he hasn't been in church for, and he was already out of church when this happened. And I could see, you know, when I when I would really give thought to it, and this was even within the first two weeks. And I even tried to share this with my husband, but he didn't really want to hear it. But I said, you know, it could have easily been that I could have lost both of my children and my husband that day. I mean, I can see that. But that didn't help me any, you know. Sometimes it would, and other times it wouldn't. Um, and my girls, my older girls kept saying, Mom, I think you and Dad need to go to... Uh, to some kind of support group grief class. And I thought, well, I guess, you know, to appease him, if he's willing to go, well then, because I could tell he was shutting down already. Uh, so we went, and of course the first one we went to was so, it was so overwhelming to us, we just couldn't go back. And he said, I, I'm, I just won't go to, you know, I'm not going to go to anymore. Uh, so uh, the girls, they kept encouraging me, and I did, we did. The girls went with me, and I found one that was, um, that I really, I guess if you, I don't know what other word to use. I mean, it was beneficial to me. But in that first few days, I'm going to back up a little bit. I knew when I... Uh, this the day that this happened that if I didn't hang on to hope that day that I wouldn't make it and I, I knew that uh, because one thing before I really really surrendered and served the Lord like I needed to I really struggled with in my mind being attacked at, you know and uh, that day I knew that if I didn't hang on to hope and then my mind was going to be attacked again so we um like i said she she didn't make it you know we we had uh, made the decision to take her off the ventilator how old was she uh she wasn't quite three um so she's olivia's age but you know uh you know, when I think back on it, it was uh, the peace of God was so strong on me during that time that, um, I mean, I don't know how to explain it other than I just felt so humble because we had to wait like uh, several days for them to bring her body back here. I think it was... Uh, she passed away, I think, on a on a Sunday. It was on a Sunday. And it was probably, I think, if I remember correctly, Wednesday or Thursday before they got her back here. 
and I think your body has a way of kind of protecting itself too. But uh, but I did. I felt I felt such a peace about it, and knowing that you know that the Lord was going to help me. But when the hustle and the bustle of the whole thing was over with, I uh, that's when it really, 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 really sets in on you. When everybody goes away, uh, I didn't realize I had done this for, I'm on 11 years. I did not know that I had really isolated myself from my own, not not my immediate family, but my siblings. Mm. And uh, I knew that if I didn't go to church every time the doors was open, I wouldn't make it. So I did go to church. Um, so you would say when you're going through something that's very traumatic like that, even whenever you feel nothing from God and you feel nothing of importance of going to church, you still think that it's a necessity? Oh, benef- it's absolutely beneficial. If, if you... Um, are searching for answers. God is your answer, but I think you need also the support of your church family. Um, I, I just can't express that enough. Um, during that time, uh, you know, I just could, I couldn't. Uh, no, it's because Tony tagged us on Facebook, so everybody's sending us updates. <laughs> oh yeah, I should have thought okay, about I'm that. Turn it off. So it well, if you just if you just set it up on your note, your notebook I'm on, there, no, I think I'm it'll. On, solve I'm not that. paying. I turned it off. <laughs> All right, that way, it won't be distracting me. You're a yeah. famous person on Facebook right now. Yeah, he posted a picture of you and said, "Look who we're having on." So I have. Oh my gosh, I didn't even do my hair today. So I, I, you're all right. <laughs> but. Oh me. You're doing just fine, but but as you were saying, so this is one of the things that helped you keep keep moving forward was was coming to church and having the support of your church. Uh, what what did what did the were there are there people that were in your church at the time that they will never know what they meant to you in like small little acts of kindness that they did? Yeah, there is. I, I just don't. I, I don't think they'll ever know. Uh, matter of fact, since y'all have asked me to do this, there's been such a um, an eye opener for me. I was sitting at the house week before last, and I was just kind of communing back and forth with the Lord, you know. And He dropped into my spirit. Um, you know, He He knows all. And he knows, he sees everything, and he knows what we think. Uh, and I think this this is the reason he dropped it into my spirit, because, you know, there was times I thought, I, I'm just, you know, you just think, I'm not going to make it. I'm drowning. I'm, this is, I'm going down for the last time here. Uh, but um, when I was sitting there a few weeks ago, he reminded me, I, I did eventually go back to work, and my work was a, a very, very, very big support to me. Uh, but he dropped into my heart. He said, it was like it came to me like this. There was gold nuggets along the way 
And he brought three names to my mind. And I was just, you know, I just couldn't hardly, I thought, I know exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about. But at that time, I was hurting so bad that, you know, I guess I could connect that together. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and I don't know, I guess, uh, you know, if, if somebody is struggling with this now, I, my advice would be to you, uh, not to isolate yourself, um, because I lost, you know, um, a lot of years with my siblings during that time. But I think the main reason I done that was that um, I feel like the main reason I done that was that I didn't want to be questioned. And I, I didn't... Um, That's a big thing. It is It is a big thing. I didn't, I didn't want nobody probing, you know. Yeah, and that is that is on different levels of um, Christianity, too. It almost seems like instead of wanting to pray for somebody, we'd rather figure out what's wrong with them? Well, I can remember thinking whenever, um, not too long after this happened, uh, and I was sincere about this, this may sound silly to some people, and I thought, God, what are people going to think about you now? I have tried to show that in my life that you're real, and you let this happen. What are they going to think? Um, Why would God allow that to happen? Yeah, Yeah. I thought, you know, uh, and I felt like some way or another he, you know, he let me know, you let me take care of me. I know how to to do this. But I really, really got concerned about that. So did you ever go, go back to the day that after she was revived that she did pass on? Um, did you ever blame God for all this? I mean, you, you've you've talked about holding on to hope and that you knew you had to go to church, but did you ever blame God for any of this? I did not blame God, uh, but through my support group, um, you know, there's they when you go into a, the support group that I was in, you know, she was a wonderful lady, and she says, you know, there is a process of going through grief. And she said, you might, everybody don't do it the same way, but you will hit, you will hit these milestones mm-hmm. at some time or another. And um, she said, uh, you will get angry at God. And I thought, not me. I'm not going to. You know, I thought I would just, <laughs> uh, I just didn't think that would happen to me. Um and I didn't, I don't really per se say that I got angry at him, but I did get angry one morning coming to work. And uh, I, I thought that day while I was at work, I thought if my end of my shift don't come, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I've got to, so I call my pastor. And I said, are you in your office? And he said, I am. And I said, well, I'm coming to where you're at. I said, you're going to see a side of me you had never seen before. And uh, so I got there and I told him, I said, uh, you know, I'm so angry right now. 
I said, I could go that strip that I have to drive down every morning. I said, it would be very easy for me to stop with a sledgehammer and beat every window out of every car, I see. I said, I'm not angry. And I don't like that feeling. And I don't want that to get a hold of me. See, that's, I was aware of that. I was aware that I didn't want that in me, that bitterness and hatred. Uh, but this self-isolation, I wasn't aware of. And that does damage to you. Uh, it, it will do damage to you, even though you're still going to church every time the doors open. Um, you can be alone in a crowded room. You can be alone in a crowded room. Yeah. You can be. Yeah. Um, and and you and I think you you need to learn to trust people. You know, you gotta you gotta learn to trust somebody. You gotta have somebody to talk to. Um, but I just I don't know. I was just uh, <laughs> I don't know if I was a I don't know what I was doing. But I for some reason I just. I just shut her down and uh, tried my best to keep uh, hanging on to the lifeline that the Lord kept giving me uh, through the years. Uh, and, of course, her brother was uh, just before turning four. And, uh, you know, that was a blessing in itself that we had him that would help plug us along. Um, and I was aware enough to know, even early on, that uh, if if I didn't, some way or another, guard myself or let the Lord help me, that it could cause havoc with, between me and my husband. Uh, and I... You know, I didn't want to put the blame on nobody by no means. And I tried, and I did. I, with the Lord's help, I succeeded not to do that. Uh, but, you know, going and having a relationship with God, uh, I, I'm just totally convinced that's the only thing that has saved me yeah. from my sanity, my sanity. I'm totally convinced of that. Uh, being able to come in and worship Him. There was days that I didn't feel like it. Uh, I remember early on, one Sunday morning when I went to church, there was these little twin girls. They were about Natalie's same age. And uh, they come in. And uh, I thought, I'm not going to be able to sit here. I'm going to have to get up and go out because I can't, I can't see these kids. So I went out and a precious lady... An older lady of the church. Um, uh, I, I'm sure she was an intercessor. She come by, and she put her arms around me. I think she even come out of the sanctuary after a while and come out there where I was at, and she prayed for me. Um, at times, you know, my mother would try to, and I'm telling you, uh, whoever is needing this. Um, my mother would try to talk to me. I, I, you know, I, I didn't want anybody to talk to me about the Lord. Now, I could go to the church and listen to it, but don't come up and tell me. Uh, 
well, God's got it all under control. This was, he needed her back. Uh, I didn't want to hear that stuff. And that was probably the reason I isolated myself, because I didn't want people telling me stuff like that. I knew that I had to sort this out between me and God, and I didn't need to be listened to anybody else but him. Uh, but uh, it has it's been a very, very, very long journey. Uh, but, uh, you know, just it has just been in the last six weeks ago, I told my husband, and I have told my some of my grown children, I said, uh, I want y'all to know that the God I serve has never, never failed me. Never. Not even the death of your sister did he fail me. Because one of my children, she said, there is no way that my Heavenly Father, that my own earthly father would hurt me the way you say that your heavenly father has hurt you. I said, and I'd just say underneath my breath when she'd say that, I'd say, God, you know she don't mean that. Um, so when people ask, how could a loving God let this happen to someone, what do you say? Well, I think, you know, I just... I just tell him, I said, you know, when uh, he told uh, when Adam and Eve, when he told them not to partake of the p- forbidden tree, that's when it all started because we all make choices, you know. And so this thing, you know, just snowballs this way. It's nothing that he's done. Um, no, I, I don't, I, I certainly, and you know, I told her, I said, he didn't orchestrate this to happen this way. Uh, but I do believe this that whether it's good or bad, there's a purpose for everything. And you can live and learn and your faith can grow. Uh, that's another thing that I've thought about here a lot here lately is um, um, my, how that you're, if you just keep hanging on some way or another, there's gonna be light at the end of the tunnel. And you will have a stronger walk with him than you've ever had before. Uh-huh. So when you, when you come to church, and you said there were there were days that it was it was hard, and and people give testimonies of God's deliverance and what God did in their children and how He saved them from sickness and from tragedy. How do how do you feel as someone that have you ever felt like you were neglected, that you had to learn through time that that God didn't forget me. Right, I did. I did. Uh, um, yeah, I can remember thinking, I, I really, I wanted to stand up in church and say, shut up. I don't want to hear it. It didn't happen that way for me. And I knew that wasn't right either. So I knew that I had to guard myself let the Lord help me guard myself that I didn't let that get rooted deep in me. Because you've got to check, your, keep your spirit right through it gotta all. Got to keep you. Got to keep you. That's the main main thing right there is keeping that spirit right. So how did you do it? It's only through God. It's, uh, um, he gets 
you know, I am where I am today because of him. And if there's anybody that's listening that don't know him, that's your answer up there. I know that that is hard to comprehend in the early stages of this kind of grief. But in some way or another, you can start building a relationship with him and stay strong in it. You'll make it. You'll make it. Mm. It's better than turning to things of the world. I can guarantee you that. How, life doesn't get better when you reject God. No, it doesn't. Life doesn't get better if we ignore the existence of God. No. That regardless of how we see God and see the hand of God through our situation, our situation doesn't change. But we can change. Yeah. And we can be better. And so to, to a person that wants to turn to other things... There's really no, there's no ultimate hope in the temporal things of this no, world. There's not. So one of your biggest fears when we sat down to have a conversation before we decided to record this was you are afraid of the the audience that would hear this, and Brian and I have found that in all of our podcast episodes, it always seems like our ladies connect in a way that men just can't. And I know you spoke a little bit about it just now, but someone may be listening to this right now that this doesn't connect with, but they might connect with it two or three years down the road if something, God forbid, tragically were to happen. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest or what would you do? Um, What prayers would you pray? Um, to make sure that you did keep your focus and intention on God because that's been your whole goal through the whole entire thing. What would happen if if you didn't have, um, if, if you just decided that, you know, a loving God wouldn't have done this to me. Um, you obviously wouldn't be living for God right now. Um, but could you imagine the torment that your mind would put you through? Um, speak to those mothers, that this may have just happened to or that will be happen that could be happening to. I don't want to say will be that but could be happening to. Um talk about just a little bit how you dealt with um the battle of your mind because that is that is something that we talk about on this podcast quite a bit is it's it's okay as a Christian to not be okay. And it's okay to hurt. It, it is. It's it's okay to struggle. It's okay to cry. Uh, it's okay to to let other people know you're battling, um, but it seems like you're not allowed to if you're a Christian, right. because God doesn't allow things like that to happen. Right. That that's what the world's conception of right. us are. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how it's okay to hurt. It's okay to be, mm-hmm. you know, in places that because you have to have that. Yeah, you do. You do have to. Um, you have to work through. Um, work through every aspect of the grief that you go through. and um, What would you say to the mother that says why? 
That's a tough one. That's a tough one to answer. Uh, there is no hard answer. Everybody's situation is going to be different. Yeah. That's right. Everybody's why is going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, as I said a while ago, I, I, in my own personal experience, um, I, I really, if it hadn't been for the Lord, I would probably be somewhere in a padded room today. Wow. I, I really do believe that. That's how strong your mind is. Yeah. That's how strong your mind is. And, uh, you know, if uh, if you can't do nothing else but just plead the blood over your mind. Uh, you know, uh, after y'all asked me to do this, it, it, you know, he's tried, the, the adversary has tried to say, now you know that you're not a speaker, and you know you can't help nobody, and you know, it's just all this junk that goes on between your ears. You know what I said? I am not going to be defeated. I'm not going to wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm not going to toil over this. So I just started taking my phone to bed and putting my earplugs in, and when I'd wake up and I'd come to me, I'd just put me on some Christian music or I'd put me on some preaching until I'd go back to sleep. I mean, we have to be, we have to have a determination to, uh, He's certainly there to help us, but we got to do our part too. Yeah, we got to do our part. So, so in your pain, God can reveal to you a newfound purpose, and it always has a way of bringing you greater hope and stability and peace of mind through everything. So, if you could please uh, to speak. Uh, as Tony has already had you do before, speak directly to to the people out there that have. And we don't want to limit this to because I think your situation, though it is very specific, I think there's there are elements of depression and fear and anguish and grief that you felt that people can feel because they lost a parent, and they can feel it because they've lost someone that's very close to them. They they any any part of their life where there's been some sort of loss, I think this can truly minister to. So, will you minister someone and and let them know that God does have a stable hand and there is a purpose that can be found through all this. And and as you just alluded to about how the enemy tried to keep you from sharing your testimony, talk to us about how there's power in our testimony. The um, the one thing that um, you know, I, I I've thought about this. I thought now, Lord, I I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want anybody to think that uh, because I have tried my best to let you guide me through this, although some days I felt like I failed miserably, but I don't want to offend anybody by saying, you know, if you don't do it my way, you're not going to, you're not going to make it, because it's certainly not that way. Uh, and just because that we know Jesus doesn't mean that uh, 
we're going to, you know, just because we live for Jesus doesn't mean that we're not going to have trials and tribulation. Yeah. And uh, the in and, and the, and the process of that, um, somewhere along the line, somewhere there will be a, a purpose for it. Uh, I, I, I want to be able to help. I mean, you know, there's not really... And I, I'm not saying it's not to get not to give anybody hope, but in the beginning, there's not a whole lot anybody can say that can help you. Yeah, I can relate a hundred percent. Whenever Meredith's dad died, um, I rem- it was miserable. Uh, there was nothing I could do. There's nothing I could say. But I know I noticed what comfort my wife more than anything was just being there. Right. That's what I was going to say. Is this, if I can just be there for somebody or anybody that knows somebody that's struggling with some type of grief, the grief of losing a child or something else, if you can just be there for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? I, another thing that I've discre- discovered in uh, losing our child is that I think the deepest thing is uh, you don't want them to be forgotten. Even though they're gone, you want people to remember them. And it's okay if you, uh, you know, if if I was to mention her name to somebody and you see a tear slip down out of my eye, don't draw back away from me. Uh, because that's just part of the process of it, I think. But we are so full of self that we don't want to expose that part of ourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember the the you know the holidays is a, is the biggest uh, thing through this kind of grief. Uh, the first holiday that we went through, it didn't matter to me. Um, I took a picture, and I took a candle to the home that I was going to, and I set that picture right in the middle of that family table, and I lit that candle because I I didn't want people to forget about her, and I'm still almost that way today, you know. uh, Don't be afraid to mention her Mm -hmm. to me because that brings some comfort to mention her to me. It lets me know that she hasn't been forgotten. Uh, and I like to say that uh, uh, that that just brings that just brings some more healing to people. Uh, at, you know, at first it could be probably difficult for people to do that uh, because you're so broken at first. But as, when you really move on down the road, some that's part of it. You just you. Uh, want to be sure that that she's remembered yeah um before we wrap up i would i would be absolutely remiss if we didn't ask you brian's gonna end with something here but before um we do wrap up uh i guess i'd be remiss if you didn't um say a prayer over the grieving mothers um a prayer to them of hope and of strength and uh, conquering the battle of the mind. 
Um, would you do that for us? I would like to say, though, that um, depression does play a big, big role in when you go through uh, this this type of absolutely of grief. And and I I did reach out for help, and uh, and I did take some medication for a while, but. It finally got to the point that I thought, you know, it doesn't seem like I, uh, I felt like that I wasn't as functioning as well as I should have been. So uh, I just, you know. Depression's real. It is real. And here's the thing. Um, I thought it wasn't. Oh, no. I thought it it was fake. I thought it was something that was somebody was that, um people could easily get over if they just wanted to until I dealt with it. No. Um, and then I realized no matter how bad I wanted to get out of it or no matter how much I prayed about it or fasted over it, it's it's real. It is real. And that's not to be taken lightly like we no. have in the past. No. No, it's um, not. And I think that uh, I think it's okay to hurt. <laughs> I mean, and depression always looks different too. To everybody, we have that we have this idea of depression as somebody that their shoulders are are hanging low and they're they've always got their head down and they're they're crying all the time. Depression is, I'm angry and I don't know why. Yeah, and it my face doesn't so, show it. It takes on so many faces, so many faces. Yeah. Well, I just read a little thing the other day that said. Um, I'm, I'm trying to try to find it here where I wrote it down in my the little scribbling I've done here. <laughs> uh, yes, I read this the other day, and it's talking about a grieving mother. It says, uh, "When you we were talking about depression a while ago, it says she is still breathing, but she's dying. She may look young." But inside, she has become, uh, uh, but she is still hurting. She smiles, but her heart still sobs. She walks, she talks, she cooks, she cleans, she works. But she is not all. But she is not all. It is not all at once. She is here, but part of her is elsewhere for eternity. Mm. Well, I can promise you one thing, Brian. We'll never forget. Um, your your testimony is so powerful. Um, and if you wouldn't mind, I would like for you to pray a prayer of hope to grieving mothers um, that they can overcome this, that they can beat the battle in the mind. Would you do that for us? I will. God, I thank you, Lord, for your promises. God, and I ask, Lord, that you touch that one that's broken right now, that's fresh into their grief. During this time that we're living in, during the anxiety that we're in now, it's a tough time, God. I know you realize that. 
There's nobody that realizes that like you do. You understand us better than anybody. I ask that you reach out and touch them. Touch their mind. Give them peace. Give them rest at night. Help them to function at what they need to do. And let them feel you undergird them with their strength. Because you are the peace speaker. You are our comforter. And Lord, if there's anything I can do, help me to be willing, God, to help anybody that's hurting yes. that I can help. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What else can I say? There isn't enough time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Their faith helped conquer kingdoms. And because they did right, God made promises to them. They closed the jaws of lions and put out raging fires and escaped from the sword their enemies. Although they were weak, they were given strength and power to chase foreign enemies away. Some women, they received their loved ones back to life from death. Many of these people were tortured, but they refused to be released. They were sure they would get a better reward when the dead are risen to life. Others, though, were made fun of and were beaten with whips. Some were chained. Still some, they were stoned to death or sawed into two pieces or killed with a sword. Some had nothing but sheepskins or goatskins to wear. They were poor, mistreated, and tortured. The world did not deserve these good people who had wandered in deserts and on mountains and had lived in the caves and holes in the ground. All of them pleased God because of their faith. All of them. The ones that put the enemy to flight and the ones who lost everything that they had. All of them pleased God because of their faith. In every victory and through every sorrow, if we hold on to faith, we please God. And there is a better reward for us than anything this world can give. Because of their faith, they may have died in this life without the promise without being given what was promised. But this was because God had something better in store for us, and He did not want them to reach the goal of their faith without us. This has been The Crucial Conversation. Hey guys, this is Brian and I'm Tony and you're listening to the Crucial Conversation podcast.